the After Dark, uh, where a bunch of us get together and uh, chill out and chat about uh, three things we did right, three things we did wrong, and at some point, I'm going to draw shit. So, uh, but yeah. boys, uh, how did it go today? I don't think I hit anything. I, I don't think I rolled a single time. You know, for for anything. So that I think it might be a first for me. Yeah, uh, I, I don't think I took a swing at a single thing the entire uh, session. So uh, I would I, say I, that it was the audience was more entertaining than the show. <laughs> <laughs> it, were... it started off really slow, but it picked up right, and then it's like, okay, we got to run. We're out of time. Yeah, they were like yeah, the show got interesting in the last as well. Texting me, he's like, this got interesting in the last ten minutes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. The, the, no, see, it's, it's the hard. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I say the, the hard part is we get to those rooms and he's like, "You guys are wasting all this time here." But if we don't do that, he's like, "Well, you're <laughs> wasting all this chance to get good loot." And you know, the minute we don't check, you know, some you know Cthulhu in the space armor is going to pop out of the room, Cthulhu right? So like, right. It's it's he's sort of set up the system where we have to be cautious. And then we get five rooms in a row that had nothing in it. You know, it's like, okay. Yeah, and I've, I've yeah. had this conversation with James because, like, you know, just to modify the show so that it is enjoyable for people. And I've said, like, you can't have ungettable room after ungettable room. No one's interested in that. And he's, like, he's flushed that and several other notes that I've given him. And I'm kind of at my wits end. Well, he kind of listened to you. I mean, yeah, there was yeah, there wasn't anything insurpassable about the empty rooms. <laughs> that, 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 that's not particularly exciting either. So he flipped it too far. You know? I actually thought yeah. about tossing a torch into the room with all of the uh, <laughs> the genie bottles just to watch it burn. Yeah, that, that, that would have uh, been actually kind of cool. We missed an opportunity to take those hands that that uh, were cut off and toss them into the room with the trash compactor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we should have done that. I thought about that as we were closing. I'm like, dang it. Yeah. Um, yeah, that and, you know, I, I another note that I gave James was like, people want to see monsters out of the various monster manuals and encyclopedia and stuff like that. And so far, he's like, not listened to that note. And it's always like, it's a golem, but it's a super golem. It's, <laughs> it's this monster, but you can't do anything to it. Right. And I'm just like, this is i mean to me it's getting a little frustrating i i and if people in the chat kind of want to weigh in or, or talk about like are, are you happy with this show because i noticed there's a there's a lot of you know slamming james and, and how he runs in the in the in the um in the chat and you know is that an interesting show to you or would you rather see you well, know, what would they like uh, to see different yeah, what would you, I mean, like, would you rather see, like, a campaign? Would you rather see, like, actual monsters out of the DM's guide? Would you rather see, like, the players actually be able to use their quote-unquote superpowers, weapons, skills, those kinds of things? What we're getting right now is, like, I mean, literally, it's becoming every monster is 20 questions. Okay, well, I do this. Well, you can't do that. Well, okay, we do this. Okay, well, you, that doesn't work either. I mean, that, that was every monster today. Yeah. And and then, okay, finally, you get around to killing the monster, and then you get to the treasure, and the treasure is going to be twenty questions. Uh, I mean, in like that, like Mega Demon or whatever the hell that thing was that we never really figured out what it was. But you know, it's yeah. like some six-legged thing that you know was probably a hundred feet tall. But you know, it was coming through what I thought was like a six-foot pentagram. So how 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 does that any of that work? And what what kind of you know? I mean, you know, 
yeah, if I look at the deities and demigods or the monster manual or whatever, I look at Asmodeus or you know some of the badasses. None of them looked fit that description <laughs> that he was giving us. So just like, well, oh. no, and that was that was sort of Andrew's frustration because you know Amber Andrew knows the rules, you know, backwards and forwards, and he right, keeps trying right. to do things. And Jake's like, you know, th- it's becoming frustrating where you do something and then you explain the rule to him, and he's like. And you don't know why it doesn't work. I mean, you can't play a game full of rules that don't work. So we have a comment from Shadow Illustrator. She said it's all fun for her, but sometimes she would like to see elements she can actually recognize. Yeah, yeah. I mean, mean, to me, I think the ratio's flipped. I mean, I I think it's always cool to have stuff that, like, well, I wasn't expecting that, you know, or, or, or that's a twist, you know, that I wasn't looking, you know, or anticipating. But but I think everything is that, and, and very few is the recognizable. So we, we probably need to go 25%, 75%, and flip it back to 75% recognizable, 25%, what the hell? Yeah, <laughs> yeah you're right. I think Shadow the Illustrator, that is, that is absolutely a perfectly... Um, you know, spot on comment, you know, and that's I, someone else made another spot on comment last last week where they said, you know, like it's watching Tolkien being read by a DMD clerk. <laughs> and, you know, it's it's it, I don't know why. And, and, and again, like I'm really telling you, I have I have sat down. I've had telephone conversations with James and tried to say, like, this is a show. These are the elements, you know, and he'll he'll start. He starts off every show by saying, you know, because you wanted a campaign, I'm doing a campaign, and we're continuing that today with the Giants. I'm like, and, you know, like, where's the campaign? Like, I, I don't know. I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm getting a little frustrated, and I'm, I'm, I'm seriously considering retooling the show because it's just it's not working on this level. I mean, we got a giant demon, I guess, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, did we? I mean, I mean maybe. I'll, we saw some arms. All we arm. did was, you yeah. know, we chopped off a, a thing with a vorpal sword. Yeah. The, I mean, Andrew basically had to rules lawyer to get happen yeah. because James right. James wouldn't James wouldn't let the holy vorpal sword basically turn the. That see, that's a big thing. Like whatever you can do that makes you a stud, James won't let you do it. Yeah. And that was bizarre to me. Yeah, the whole at the very end, everything turns to bread. Okay, no, it didn't. Yeah, it's like what? 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 Well, it did, but basically, <laughs> right. we've got, we've got yeah, genius rule, Andrew who, right, who right, undid right. it for us. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that came to the rescue. <laughs> that's my thing. Like, why are you obsessed with, you know, turning, turning everything into something else? Because that right. doesn't let people kind of take ownership of their character. Well, well, I mean, look at Jay. Let's, let's just walk through Jr.'s character. How many religions have you had? How many, you know, how many different classes have you been? You know, all like your character has been zapped into so many things. It's not funny. I've been a cavalier um, from most of it, uh, four different religions, and I haven't changed the cavalier. And mostly it's because the religion part, he sort of just wants to assign it. And I I don't know. That's just not as cool. I, I just was never really that into Egyptian whatever. I get why he's picking religions that aren't going to get him sued but i mean i've always thought the norse were cooler so when that was an option i'm like sweet and he's like well you can't change because uh sets or no anubis is going to kill you and i'm like (laughs) wrong plane buddy so (laughs) and then it was like when you know because of the the marriage thing like i said it as a joke because i froze and i didn't know what to ask for but once he approved it i'm like well it makes sense for the character so are you a nazgul now or who, who, who turned into a nazgul oh that was walt i think uh 
yeah, Walt's the Nazgul. I'm like, oh, okay. oh no, he's the Lord of something evil. Yeah. And the Nazguls work for him. Nazgul, not. Oh. I like, I like, I like how Walt immediately embraced it, though. He like, uh, he like pivoted into it and was like, yes, this is my jam. You get the uh, little sand buckets, right? That we used to build sandcastles with, right? Right. So we jump in with our with our GI Joes and our Dungeons and Dragons toys and all this other stuff. We build these great castles and stuff like that. And uh, all of a sudden, you know, somebody jumps in the sandbox with us and starts kicking down the sandcastles instead of playing with the toys. Yeah. You know, and it's yeah. like, and then when they get up, it's like, oh wow, wasn't that fun? You know, it's like <laughs> <laughs> he does. Seem, he does seem to say that now that I beat you about the head and wrecked your castle, wasn't that fun? You, you know, know? it's uh, like. Uh, but the other side of it was okay. So you want you want to play this as evil? No problem. So I've been kind of <laughs> you know I've been kind of digging into the lore because uh, I really I really enjoy um, uh, Jay Scott Lord Gusumba's channel, um, right? Just because he's been playing in Greyhawk for forty years. Right. He's a 50, 53 year old dude. Right. And he has such a passion for Greyhawk um, and bringing it alive for his game table that I really admire because you don't really see a passion for something like that last for so long. And um, the uh, uh, one of the things he was talking about was um, and at first I just thought James was mispronouncing my name. Um, but it turns out that there is a very well-known warrior in Greyhawk named Robilar. So when you look him up, right, he's well-respected. Uh, he became a conqueror of several nations. Uh, he, he always, he was like one of those dudes who like, he kind of reminds me of like Darth Vader if Darth Vader wasn't a douche. Like, <laughs> like uh, imagine a Darth Vader that cared about his men, that like, you know, you can't take my stormtroopers from me because the 501st are my men. And if you hurt them, it's like you're hurting me. And, and, I, and I will avenge them if you, if you do anything to them. You know, and that's what, when you read the description of Robilar, who eventually becomes like an 18th or 19th level fighter uh, before he dies. Um, uh, you know, you read all these like, like he's got these, these accounts of whoever the guy who originally created him played him up to 18th level and, and you know, raised and, and built nations and, and all this crazy stuff. And he, his followers were extremely loyal. His teammates were, uh, like, on the adventuring party were extremely loyal. And then you find, you look in the, the stats, he's freaking neutral evil. You know, <laughs> he was a neutral evil dude. And the second he said, okay, you put this on and you get two wraiths, I'm like, oh, I'm evil. What flavor am I evil am I am? Can, can I be neutral so I have chaotic and lawful elements? Oh, cool. This is even better. Because guess what? I'm going to play this shit sideways. You know, and it's, <laughs> it's, it's, a, I have no problem embracing uh, a character change like that um, as long as you give me room to explore it. If yeah. you. Yeah put me in a box and say isn't isn't this amazing it, you know and i turn around and now i notice the bars 
you know, it, it's it's still a freaking cage if it's a cage. You know, it doesn't matter how right. much good stuff you put in it. You know, but if you, if you were to let me explore being neutral evil and having to work with Terry's character, you know, and you you made the great joke, Nick. Uh, you know, oh look, he's reaching across the aisle. You know, <laughs> uh, you know, this is what true cooperation can look like. You know, and of course now I'm feeding into it, and I'm like, oh yeah, let's do this. You know. Um, no, I think I think stuff like that can be a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 the one thing I have a concern about, and it's unclear what, like, like it's unclear like what your powers are. Like, are you a mini Sauron, or what are you? I mean, oh, I don't know. No, but 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 if you are, that it's the same concern that I had with Nick becoming a storm giant, which I think is actually working out okay. But but you know, there is a game dynamics imbalance that's kind of weird. And it's going to get weirder if if you 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 are a mini Sauron. It's cool, but I'm like, but you know, the 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 game. How, how do you? Know, I'm just thinking from a game logistics point of view. How do you have a you know a storm giant and a mini Sauron with you know a guy who with punches a couple people? Of, yeah, with, with, with a couple so, of level nine you know dweebs. You know, so let me let me let me, offer, let me offer this real quick. Um, the first thing that's going to happen, Walt, is James is now going to try to put your character into a box. Yep. Yeah. Because it's the only way he can comprehend it. Like, and so he did that with Prometheus with fear, and then did it again did with, it the, storm with giant the storm thing. giant. Yeah. So he'll he'll try to like get out in front of it, and like he actually called me in the middle of the week when I first got it, and he was like, "You really don't want to be a storm giant. You should just like." The white wizard will give you some treasure, and he he wants you to make him the storm giant. Like he did not, because he knew he'd gone too far. Like that's one of the problems here, like with the balancing issue that you yeah. were talking about, Rothman. Like James, because he likes that sort of because his, you know, this is the guy who created Gamma World. So Gamma World is all about transformations and turning into stuff and blah blah blah. And that's how James likes to play D and D. He just wants to turn you into stuff and give you a bad time. Because he's a tournament DM, he is not a campaign DM. He does not like know that there's an art, that, you know that that the the player is telling their story through the arc. What James wants to do is just turn you into shit and laugh about it, because that's what a tournament DM does. You pay your fifty bucks at a tournament, you sit down, he abuses you for three hours, and he never has to see you again. <laughs> that's how I'm not kidding. That's how no. this guy has spent right. the last right. twenty five years of his life. I think he wants to be a campaign DM. But it's like he's only ever driven automatic, and he doesn't know how to drive manual. Yeah. Right. So, so there's there's the thing there. But you can still have fun with it. You just have to reframe your mind to this. This this might be the really fun aspect of it, which is this might be more modern DM, modern D and D than James is anticipating. Because basically, what he's turning us into are superheroes with origin stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, so agreed. so let me ask you this. I think some of it is he's trying to give you what he played with at Gary's table. So maybe instead of saying Gygaxian dungeon, just say old school and stick with that. Um, I, I I tried to have that conversation. Everything like the problem with James is like it's very hard to. Uh, you know, in Rothman terms, it's very hard to overwrite the source code of the initial instructions. Mm-hmm. Like I would, I would have to wipe his hard drive clean, recode the entire thing that I told him, 
in that old source code would still but you said i'm like okay you know so like i've had all these conversations andrew has had like you like the thing of it is is like you have to appreciate his strengths which he has strengths and i i'm still like if we, if we do decide to go forward with him I'm, I'm still gonna have a conversation with him and say like listen you know just like i'm gonna reiterate shadow's comment and i'm, I'm gonna say listen you know you've got to put something recognizable in here you, you're just going way too nuts with you know and and some of it is just comically ridiculous like you know the loaf of bread and here's the ape that's making fun of you and stuff like that and i think modern people they kind of do want to see I, I i i'm pretty sure the greyhawk channel you're mentioning well, it doesn't have this level of kind of clownishness, right? No, and and uh, what you see a lot of the times is they have they have like uh, uh, they have their own series of adventures, and then they play through published modules as well. Um, yeah, and the published modules uh, that they're playing are you know pretty pretty recognizable, uh, so you're not really getting a lot of this. Um, so it's 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 kind of hard because you know um especially and, and once again we, we've talked about this before but um you no know, no <laughs> it's it, it's tough when you got uh uh baby talk as the as the um <laughs> as the naming yeah. convention you know yeah i i yeah i i just i was like you know the name of the person why won't you just say it you yeah know, like uh, I, I and you know was he doing that because he didn't want to get sued? I, I'm like you're, you're overemphasizing how much Wizards of the Coast like it just it doesn't it's it doesn't just it's, it, it's just becoming this game show of a dungeon and but here's the thing that really you know like I've I've been a little hard but here's the thing that attracts me about this is you're literally getting to do a little bit of archaeology here. Mm-hmm. and dive through the source code of D&D, which is this dungeon, yeah. as James remembers it from Gary Gygax. Yeah, I'm sure it was ridiculous then. According to Andrew, it's tracking. You know, it's just... It, it just I, I, I wonder if Gary did this much modification to monsters. I have no doubt that the traps and the curses were there and all that kind of stuff. But I, I wonder about that, too. Is that is that just what... Is that... After 40 years, was that the experience that was left on James's mind? And this, that's the only thing he can reproduce. Uh, yeah, I mean, to, to me, I think inevitably you have to have, and it's kind of like the, 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 the commenter had said, you know, I, I think you have to have something where, okay, straight out of the monster manual, you, you recognize it, you know how to deal with that, but there's a twist. Um, but you know but but it's recognizable still you know you you you're not yeah. suddenly trying to you know solve a Ru- rubik's cube when you're up against a cobalt or something you know, it, yeah it's it's not it's not a medusa thing. it's a super yeah. medusa it's not a right. beholder it's an elder beholder right. it's not a demon it's it's a super demon it's not a golem it's a golem yeah. you know like every every monster that we've had and and i understand why he's doing it cuz he thinks it keeps it interesting but what it becomes is it becomes all of us trying to do something and him saying that doesn't work. That doesn't work. Right. That and I know it's personally frustrating for us, but it, it just makes the characters and the experience look ridiculous. Right. I mean, to me, it, you know, because if he's trying to make it harder, just you know, higher hit dice type monsters versus you know something that is you know kind of run of the mill, but is like the super version of it. You know, like you know, well, that, that we don't know. You don't even have to do that. There are things in the monster manual that can, if you just want to kick our ass, 
Yeah. There's there's things in all of the monster manuals that can kick our ass. Let's fight a Zorn. Sure. Let's fight a, a mind player. Yeah. You know, let's yeah, fight yeah, a yeah. regular beholder. That is enough of a challenge and everything like that. But I don't know what James's problem is. He identifies too much with the monsters. He really wants them to be unbeatable. Then he wants to wipe the floor with you, and then he gets some kind of satisfaction out of that. Like it makes him feel like he's a better player. I don't know. Here's but the, here's, he has a hard time just giving you an orc to wail on. Correct. And here's part yeah. of the problem that we're having, right? So uh, a, a bunch of us on the on the stream are authors, right? We understand how character arc and how story dynamics should flow so that it becomes a positive experience for the reader. Even in a tragedy, there are redeeming elements for somebody in the story uh, to take away, even though the main characters might be punished at some point. Right. So um, what we're having a lack of is that 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 arc where things go and and uh, and kind of evolve from one piece to the another to another. Um, instead, what we're having is the same thing over and over again, where instead of um, playing uh, Dungeons and Dragons that allows us to tell a collaborative story with the GM, we are now being forced through checklist after checklist just to take a few steps inside of a room. You know, we right. we have come up on stuff like Robert E. Howard and Tolkien and C.S. Lewis and all these great authors that wove these tales that made you want to roll some dice on the table and, and get some piece of that heroism or being a conqueror or, or whatever of living yeah. more than epic if i wanted a session of papers and paychecks all i have to do is step out my door and go to work for a couple of hours yeah. and i can get that experience you know but yeah. what we're missing is the the epicness that comes with uh most fantasy even grimdark stuff like um game of thrones um when they did the production value, uh, the, the live action production adapted from the books, they changed several things so that the hardcore fans were like, oh, my God, how could they have changed that? I have to watch to see what else they changed. The new people coming in were like, that was amazing. I have to go read the books because so and so is in there be to see what changed. So maybe this is different and could be fun, too. And all the people in the middle were like, oh, my God, I'm just here for the boobs and swords, right? The problem is it's all check after check, question after question. You're never getting to see the boobs and swords. You're never swinging at any regular monsters, you know, and and even even getting that uh, that moment like, um, uh, God, I can't remember his name, the the original ranger in The Hobbit. Um Legolas? Strider. Uh, no, not Strider. Not uh, um, in the Hobbit. Oh, oh, uh, Bjorn. Yeah. So um, you know, here he is. Fire. I mean, this guy is an expert archer and hunter, and he's firing arrow after arrow at this thing, right? Until he gets that one moment where he sees that throughout all of history and all the battles, finally there was that one chink in Smog's armor. Right. So even in a, in a totally hopeless situation, there was something, you know, and that's really the frustration. Like even even um, 
Captain Kilgosha in the chat a little while ago. He goes, it's not only frustrating for you guys, it's frustrating for the audience. And he's saying it feels like you guys are just grinding in order to build levels. It's it's like that old World of Warcraft thing. You know, how did you spend yeah. your first few levels, uh, you know, becoming a warrior? Oh, you know, I went into the woods and killed rats. Uh, okay. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> you know, rat catcher. No, I mean, he's, he's, and, and I wonder if why that's, you know, the chat, the chat's getting sort of, you know, rowdy and, you know, betting against us because, you know, they're getting, they're getting, they're getting frustrated and tired by it too. And I, and I just, I kind of, I'm leaning, you know, like we, we have a nice channel here. We're building stuff. There's a part of me that wants to, to delve through Greyhawk and see what it's all about, but I can't do Friday. After Crimson Friday. Hawk. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's a room full of lamps. What are you gonna do? Yep. Well, right. give us a clue about what to do. I mean, give us something. Don't just do what you want to do, which is you're a black ant. Yeah. You know that's so. You know. So let me ask you this, because you guys have all played before, and, and it kind of I, I posted it on the side chat just to remind myself. So Walt mentioned that this Lord Gazumba guy has been playing in Greyhawk for years, forty years, right. 40 years. Okay. So there is, what is Greyhawk that is written down in all the modules? And then there's the, uh, are there any books set in Greyhawk? Novels? Yeah. 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 Tons of them. Uh, the ones I really enjoy, uh, there was a series called Greyhawk Advent, uh, Greyhawk Legends. Um, and they're supposed to be unconnected stories, but what happened was one of the authors um, got really popular with his character uh, that uh, the main character in his novel, and they ended up doing like a linked a series of three or four linked novels that took him through the Temple of Elemental Evil, a um, uh, village of Hamlet, and then um, uh, White Plume Mountain, uh, which were uh, very popular at the time adventure modules for Greyhawk for D and D, and the uh, uh, what do you call it? The uh, the stories are fun because the uh, the main character is a disgraced ranger who, in his youth, fought demons, and um, he wears a cloak that is actually the pelt of a hellhound, and the cloak still has the the sentience of the hellhound it came from, so it talks to him and taunts him the whole time while giving him advice, because <laughs> it's uh, you know he, he constantly says you know if I die. You're going to be stuck down there in this hole. And even though the hellhound doesn't like him, keeps giving him advice on how to win because it's the only way he's going to keep moving through the world. And he's and in and, and totally like Greyhawk fashion, he ends up teaming up with like a, a like straight up literal Tinkerbell. Uh, it's like a like a 12 inch fairy that floats around with him and constantly ducks out of danger when things get too hairy. Right. But the story is just fun, you know, and that's that's the thing. You know, there's there's this element of Greyhawk that became this huge sweeping world, kind of like um, all the different worlds in Star Wars and stuff like that. There's there's, uh, you know, the free city of Greyhawk. There's uh, the barbarians in the in the Stonelands. There's uh, all these great characters that came up and now it's this really exotic living breathing world and uh it's a lot of fun so we talk about epic campaigns but it, it crimson hawk doesn't really feel like a world to me like i couldn't picture it like there's a lot of monsters weird weirdly dinosaurs roaming around 
uh, which sort of, I mean, I get that that was Gygax, so, like, I get it, but, like, one of the things when you helped me prepare the module I did was, you can't just throw any monster in randomly so they can fight it, why is it there? Like, and, and that makes sense from a storytelling point of view, so how much of Greyhawk, uh, it, the lore, is the source manuals that the players get, how much of it is the books that came after it, how much of it is just people have been playing in it for 40 plus years? There's a lot of it. A lot of it. I mean, it's it's a mixture of everything now. And when you meet somebody who plays in Greyhawk, their Greyhawk might be a little different because not only do you have the stuff that Gygax did, but originally Greyhawk and uh, a setting called uh, Blackmoor were all one big, huge thing. Um, and the, uh, the problem was Dave Arneson, who um, was originally Gygax's kind of like buddy, uh, they had a falling out. So there are some people who play Greyhawk with the Arneson stuff, the Blackmore stuff in it, and then there are some people who play those two campaigns separately. You know, but that's their like go-to world. It's like when you when you ask people, "Oh, what kind of sci-fi do you play?" "Oh, I play Star Wars." You know. And if you ever want to see like the in-depthness of like uh, you know, what 40 years of micro focusing on one, you know, Arneson is called the Wildlands. Yep. Or wilderlands or whatever you go over to their facebook page and it's like deep like they're they're really into it they've got like every tree sketched out and there's a story of every battle you know that they, they, they're really into it like and, and and you can do that you know the cool thing about greyhawk is it gave you enough to get a world going without having to get it all going on your own and then what's really supposed to happen is what why old school D is great is the characters start off as murder hobos and then they become somebody and the land and the story and the geography and the culture and the geopolitical situation changes with them by the actions that they do that is that is something that that computer games try to reproduce and never will be able to because this is this is live action you know like at the level we're at now and walt and i were talking about this last week like we should be geopolitical figures you know, yeah. we we should be engaging in the la- the larger world. What are we doing? We're literally on the first level in a dungeon. Yeah, I mean, you never made it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, because the way I, I I describe this inevitably ends up being is uh, I think Gaiac set up the kernel of the idea of the world, and then everything else is really fan fiction around it. Um, so. So we've got some comments in the chat. We have C.S. Uh, C. Smith, fifteen ten says, as, uh, as I recall, that was how Gygax was, though. I mean, the ten foot pole didn't become famous for being a walking stick. Gygax liked to kill characters. James gives you the opportunity to kill yourself. Granted, I haven't seen all of the shows, so maybe it has gotten ridiculous. That was his comment earlier about, you know, some of the frustrations the players are having. And then we just had uh, Mr. B.C. Walker said that D and D has a fascinating history to it, and most of it has been forgotten until the last five years when folks have started publishing serious documentary work about the history of the game. Yeah, and also uh, C.S. Smith, uh, 1510, thanks a lot for the, uh, for the, uh, uh, the four-month sub, man. That's, that's, that's great. Yeah. Awesome. And, and let's, I mean, let's just go through and answer the question for him about, like, you know, like what we try to do in the after-action report, it comes from the military, um, we we really enjoy playing with James. We respect him because we're good people, and you should always respect your elders. And you know he's part of the creation of Dungeons and Dragons and stuff like that. 
But in an after action report, because you're always seeking to improve the experience, you have to be brutally honest. You have to be brutally honest about things that are going wrong. And you also have to be brutally honest about not blowing smoke about the things that are doing right. So kind of a feature of this channel is we played the game today. You know, there, there were some frustrations. There were some moments of fun. Now we go through and we deconstruct it. We rip it apart so that next week we don't have people saying, listen, this is unrecognizable. Right. So, so what, what, one of the things I noticed that was that was different, and I think an improvement, um, is, is that I, you know, a, a lot we we we've we've experienced in the past the slog of we're we, we're 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 still outside twiddling our thumbs or sitting sitting on our thumbs or whatever. And th this time it felt like we we kind of got started right away. You know, now where it fell apart was yeah you know, we, we we spent you know an hour staring at five empty rooms, but you know. But yeah, that, that that that's something I think is fixable. So I think we started well in concept. If it were not for the the content that we were staring at being pointless, um, yeah, I, I learned how to wrangle James in a certain way. You know, it's, it's you know, it's it's me learning too um, because this isn't this isn't the hobby shop dungeon in Wisconsin where we're just going to sit around the table right. Saturday morning, ten o'clock until two o'clock in the morning. You know, we we do have to get things done, and so. I've learned, like, if I point him, like, in, in about the first, the 10 minutes before the show starts where we're all, uh, you know, behind the stage, digitally speaking, and I tell James where we're going, that gets him focused. What I have not been able to get through to him, and I've said it several times, is, like, we have to move to the action fast. Yeah. It can't be, it's a, it's a room, okay, there's nothing in this room. There's yeah. nothing in this room. There's nothing in this room. There's nothing in this room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that's not a show. That's no, not uh, a show. no. The, the the first room should have been the lamp room where we go. What the hell is this? And then it's and and, and it was something, but it was nothing still. And then leads to something else. I don't know what the hell the Star Wars trash compactor thing was all about. You know, what, what, just a chance what to kill us. Yeah, I mean, I was but, just like, yeah. okay. Yeah. I wonder how that would have played out if the, if I hadn't decided to bring the the wolf kids along. Yeah, because yeah. they wouldn't have smelled it, and we'd have all just walked in and like, and you're all dead. <laughs> it's like, and, and uh, yeah, I still don't understand how the hell you know it, it squished. You know, well, yeah, he said magic, but okay, yeah. It, it, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm not a big believer in the whole, you know, the the, the rock crushing solid iron, but okay, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's 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 a problem that yeah. we have a lot of the times. Is like we'll bring up things like that, actual science or whatever, and then James's default is, well, it must be magic. But then yeah. there's never, you know, we okay. Like that, 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 that that's part of that's part of the super mummy or the super thing, you know, which, which isn't yeah. an enjoyable aspect of the game when you can't predict. Yeah, like like for instance, if if you if you're suspicious about the trash compactor, you know, it would be a legit way that should work. You know, having that stupid iron wall that you know Andrew could put in there that would prevent it from happening. It would be kind of cool to experience. You know, the things trying to crush it. You see it buckling. You're like, all right, let's get the fuck out of here. You know, it's like uh, yeah. The old guy Gaxian party there with James and all, you know, Gary and Ernie and all those guys, they would spend the entire day on that room trying to figure it out. Right, right. You know, and, and running through the signs. And, and it could be done. That's, you know, maybe it would be a really interesting show with those personalities, but it's not with us. And the modern audience isn't really geared for that. So, I, so I are you saying sobriety about. killed D&D? <laughs> sobriety killed D&D. <laughs> You know, less yeah, LSD probably. and whatnot. Yeah. yeah, you know, but um, I think you know the the 
here's 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 two things that you can tell James will do if he doesn't if you if you if you flummox him and say okay I'm putting in you know a magic iron wall that that won't be crushed by stone he will then turn around and say well there's there's magic you don't know involved which is kind of bullshit I mean, right. I'm just going to call right. it bullshit. Right, right. right. And then, and and then the next thing he'll do is when he he wants you to do something and you don't want to do it, or he doesn't want to give you something or whatever. Suddenly, a deity appears. Like, <laughs> you know, like deities are so commonplace, you could hit a, throw a rock and hit them in this game. No, and that's why in books that people hate it when yeah. you pull out the de- Deus Ex Machina crap. You know, because yeah, because it's it's so. it's it's lazy. It's lazy. Um, yeah, and, and, and it's not fun because it's like, okay, well, you know, all right, when, when, when's the magic peanut butter going to come out so I can go spackle that and solve the problem or whatever? Yeah. It's and like so, a- since I, but remember, since I've argued that attack, and, and I love James and I respect him, I'm going to argue the other attack. This is the man who wrote deities and demigods. All right. Like, all right. so for him, for him, so he should, he should use it. He should use it. Like, I like to see Osmodius. Yeah, I'd like to see yeah. you know, some of these guys. Yeah, but but, but but whatever but the hell then, that thing was, I don't know what it was. It wasn't in deities and demigods. Here, here was the real clue about James, and he said it last week. I said to him, I said, um, uh, so, so I think you said you you said, well, does anyone ever kill the gods? And and James goes, no, never, no, no, that would never happen. And, and I said, well, then why do they have stats? Right. And right. he's all, oh, people just wanted to see him. Well, just you got a 400 under. hit point deity. Well, I should be able yeah. to take those down. I don't know yeah. about you guys, but we killed the crap out of a bunch of those things when I was playing. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And and see, James is bullshitting because there's a famous dragon article about where I think it was Roger E. Moore, not Roger Moore. Hello, thank you, shaking money penny. Um, <laughs> took uh, a death machine from Gamma World and told all the other people at TSR to pick gods. And then he wailed on them with a, uh, a death machine to show them how, how powerful a death machine from Gamma World when ported to D&D rules was. And the answer was incredibly powerful. He killed like 10 gods. Um, so that you can kill gods. But again, it goes back to James makes monsters and he loves making them. And he has a hard time letting you wail on them. He will do anything not to kill them, which is fun. It means like you know, like have you ever played like a, a game where the DM wasn't invested in the monsters, or you know, you're just chewing through them, and, and that can be fun sometimes. But but with James, like the monsters are more James friends than you are. See, see what, yeah. uh, I mean, to 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 me, I, I, like I I could take James's side on like the whole not killing the deity type of thing in this way. You know, let's say that you've got the stats and deities and demigods and all that stuff, yeah, and, 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 and be killed. <laughs> uh, yeah, and 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 if and if you've got a deity, it's the corporeal version of it. So you're, you're not really killing, killing. You're just killing, you know, on this plane, his instance. So you know, now if you want to go ahead, you know, and argue that there can't be killed. All right, well, wherever Loth is hiding, you know, it, you know her home plane, there maybe she is Im- immortal and you can't kill her there. But if she's on my plane, she, she's gonna get her ass kicked. Yeah. So uh, CS uh, C Smith fifteen ten says gods have stats; they can die uh, with a natural one as well as anyone. <laughs> yeah, and that's what we tried to tell James. And James, the writer of Deities and Demigods, said, "No, they can't." And that's because he wrote that book. They're his friends. They he yeah. does not like. Literally at the end of the game, 
he pulled the trick with Andrew. As soon as Andrew used Dimension Door, he reached through and tried to grab him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I lopped off that character's arms, which is, you know, if people aren't following the show, the creature that tried to reach through and get us was a, is a cloud giant named Ia. And that's our prime nemesis right now. So I turned her arms to stone rather than turning the entire person to stone. I, that should have been half. That should have happened. And then I suggested like, Hey, she now has two major arteries bleeding out. Yep. You're going to tell me that, that she's fine. You know, losing both arms at once. And evidently she's going to grow them back. So yeah, she's just going to, she's just going to grow them back. You know, you're like, okay. Uh You're like, he he does not want to let you win, and and the problem is is that the the game is about the characters, and the characters do have to win, right? You know, no, hey, or hey, die, hey. or die, or die, right. dying, TPK. Right. But don't don't be it where it, it's 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 constantly like wah wah. Yes, yeah. you should have tried harder. Like, don't put people in unwinnable games where Correct. they can't. That's use, the problem. You know, yeah, I, I've said it before, but if my character dies, it wouldn't bother me as long as it's the kind of glorious death that right ball it's about. You know what I mean? Right. Like you don't want to just feel like, oh, you tripped you, over a wire and you, you, failed you, you, the you, death frame. You, you, you died because you ate the moldy bread or whatever. Yeah, yeah like, your yeah. sword turned yeah. to bread and your pants fell, fell down around your ankles, and now everybody's laughing at you. Hey, wasn't that fun, guys? You guys did really well today. <laughs> I got to tell you, what was bitch. fun was Terry looking for dip for his bread. <laughs> you know, all right, Ward. You want to play it that way? No problem. Uh, you know that was hysterical. Uh, no, yeah. I, I mean, that, that's the thing is, you know, I mean, you know, James can have his immortal gods, you know, but they're on a different plane. If we're encountering them, they're not immortal. Yeah, you know? I mean, I think it needs to just be that way. Yeah, you know? and he needs to get over it. But yeah, you know, whatever. Yeah, you know, well, we'll see. The. Uh, um... Uh, Mr. B.C. Walker in the chat was talking about um, how back in the day, um, science fiction and fantasy uh, wasn't such a like a big dividing line. So he was saying it wasn't so stark before 1980. That's why old D&D skirted the line between fantasy and science fiction so easily. A lot of the genre fiction informing D&D's creation is as much sci-fi as it is fantasy. And there's plenty of weird fiction that go along with it. So that's true. Yeah, there's yeah, uh, like the John Carter stuff. All that oh, kind yeah. of stuff is, you know, and and D and D like they're they're you know, and I tested this theory because uh, I wrote read an article that someone wrote, and they said you know if you really look at Dungeons and Dragons, it's actually a post-apocalyptic setting. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. and 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 they're saying like not necessarily modern, but they're saying it's clear that much of the world is ruined. There's ruins, and they went and laid out all these arguments and everything like. Oh, that. it's like Middle Earth. Yeah, and they said this would have totally been like, you know, all these guys were playing D&D in the 70s. They had the threat of nuclear war hanging over their heads. Yeah. It, it very well could. And so I went to James and I said, like, you know, is this theory true? And he goes, no. <laughs> like, okay. All right. It You're seems wrong. very post-apocalyptic. You know, but it seems very, like, you know, like much of the world is unknown. You have to go out and, you know, like, now the problem with Greyhawk is much of the world is known. It is an active, living, breathing world. But generally, when you play D and D in any kind of campaign, like very little is known. Right. You you know like and that's like okay. So how did they start the first modules? You know, into the unknown. Yeah. You know, keep on the borderlands. Like those were your launching off places. You were going beyond the map, which is my favorite kind of fun concept for for high fantasy adventure. 
you know, D and D and stuff like that is like the characters entering a, a sort of like lost type world. No, and then it, trying to put the pieces together. No, exactly. I mean, to me, that's what's entertaining. I mean, like, like even on the novel that I'm I'm, I'm messing with, um, it, it, it is purposefully, you know, all the history has been lost of wherever the hell this guy's in, and there's no maps for some places, which is a foreign concept to us on Earth. We everything's mapped and we know everything, but in a fun campaign, you don't know what's next you know you you don't know what you you know, you're, you're going into a cave okay i don't know what's in the cave well let's find yeah. out yeah you know are you going to go into this town and deal with these people well they don't like you why don't they like you and like right if you let's if you're going to play like an active living breathing world like greyhawk like you can just get a taste of that from andrew he's like oh you're a hasid and you you speak this and you have these things these are your predilections again and it's like too much it's like okay yeah. It, it, it puts you on this rails of role playing. You're like, yes, right. I'm from the Flaness, and this is this is the shit we have against these people. You're like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I kind of just like, you know, I mean, it's sort of like it's very like if you ever go back and watch '70s television, which is really just like a lot of shows where like two good looking drifters wander yeah. into town and solve crimes. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a little that's cheesy. A perfect, but, yeah. That's yeah. a perfect module for me. Yeah. A bunch of good-looking murder hoes wander into town, solve your monster problem, and next week they're solving someone else's. And over the course of ten adventures, you begin to put together a story. A nemesis arises. One of the, you know, like if you play, if you play um, Keep on the Borderlands, um, you've you've got some monsters down in there that they can easily plague your characters and grow with your characters as time goes. So, uh, Mr. BC Walker says the most authentic D&D experience begins with just one hex on the map being occupied, each adjacent hex being shown, and the rest of the map is blank. The campaign fills in the map as the PC groups go beyond what is known. Uh, very easy to, very easy to handle as a DM. See, that tells me that BC Walker is legit because he's <laughs> absolutely right. Like the first thing that I knew he was legit is he said hex map. Which yeah. is like, you know, like hex map is so old school, but it really is. And like, you can use the dungeon master's guide to run a campaign with no planning and all on dice tables. Oh, and yeah. you can have a great time, great time yeah. doing it. No, yeah. If you think about it, it's it, yeah. It is dice tables. It, it is all about okay. You're going north. Let me figure out what's that there. You know, roll the dice and oh, you're, yeah. you got a large oh, group. Look, yeah. You ran into pilgrims. Okay, right, right. What's their alignment? Lawful evil. Okay, these guys are dicks. Yeah. You know, like, let's yeah. blow them up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's burn them. You know, but you have to like the problem is is you really have to know that dungeon master's guide. Right. But, but, you know, having a random campaign, actually rolling random monsters, going down into a dungeon and rolling up a random dungeon as you grow, as you go, like the yeah. story makes itself like, well, why are we hearing a moaning noise? You know, because yeah. you have to there's a table for random noises that you hear, you know, oh, why does this room have an altar? You know, all that kind huh. of stuff. I mean, it's like pantsing versus plotting. Yeah, you know, it's like uh, from a book writing perspective, you know, it's like, you know, my. You're, you're, my contention is that you know if you did that in this group a bunch of science fiction writers we would help create the story for you yeah yeah you just we just need it but right now it's like no you're a piece of bread <laughs> no you're an ass your pants fell down the yeah. monster sodomized you <laughs> so so let me ask the 
let me ask the audience this. So right now I have the B1 and B2 module, so into the unknown and the keep on the Borderlands, I think. Anything else. No. So do we try to port those over and make that Greyhawk 2 or just play them as is? What do you mean? Well, like right now, we're Crimson Hawk because Greyhawk is trademarked and, you know, Wizards of the Coast sues people, right? So do we try to make it our own thing and, and do that from the beginning or just play it as written and, and let it be a let it be what it'll be. Why is I mean, this even a question? Like, I'm why curious are you what, posing the question? I'm curious what the audience likes. Walt and, Walt and JR interact. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm asking the audience what they would prefer. Sure. Do they like just seeing yeah. the module as it is and playing like the old school or try to make it its own cohesive universe? Well, well no, I mean, I, I think it's, I think it's a cohesive thing because like, okay, so you're going to get five players to play and they're going to start playing. And, you know, like, you know, if you have some interesting people in there, people are going to be like, oh, I want to know more about their adventures. And so, like, your best, like, I mean, that's kind of what Walt and I were doing this week is we were trying to say, okay, well, what really is this? And, and I think the answer that Walt and I might be coming to is that, that James's Crimson Hawk is merely a weird city that's in this strange area of a world that we're maybe thinking about putting together that maybe is Greyhawk or Greyhawk like, and, and then sort of running our own kind of adventures in there and, and having fun and maybe taking a break from Crimson Hawk every second, you know, and, and actually having, having these other elements that we're talking about. I mean, I, I think you could easily have, you know, a large map. Crimson Hawk is just a plug-in module that has a whole bunch of stuff in it. And, and, and then any other story, you know, whether it's, you know, what, what JR started or, you know, Andrew or, who, or, or Walt or whoever, you know. I mean, they're all just, you know, you, you're in a shared universe of stuff. You know, you got the same basic kind of monsters and whatever, just different storyboard, you know, that... Yeah just plugs in you know it's somewhere on the map does it really matter where yeah. no yeah. i would i would make like if i were making a world and walt and the world walt and i talk about like i would put crimson hawk in this like weird little sort of like it's it's like lost the island lost yeah um and it's it's kind of in this weird place and like all the ridiculousness of like there's dinosaurs and people have bread swords <laughs> it just kind of stays in that weird place but like yeah when you go to the jungle you're not going to run into snow apes yeah. And no, there's no dinosaurs, you know, out on the shattered seas or, you know, the sea of dust or whatever. Like you're going to, you're going to roll on the table for those things. And Cri- Crim- Cri- Crim- Crimson's like Australia where you got all this weird menagerie of bizarreness and everywhere yeah. else is more predictable. Yeah. yeah it's, so- like, it's, it, it's like lethal Disneyland. Yeah. <laughs> Disneyland has no bearing to the rest of the world. Right. It's right. just a, you just go there and it's a ridiculous place. Yeah. So we get Grape Ape and Shadow of the Illustrator say make our own world and then fit the modules into it. Yeah. Captain Gokosha says he has no opinion. He just wants blood and heads rolling <laughs> and a coherent story. Yeah. Uh, and story, I think. C, C. Smith said he's conflicted. So I want to I want to kind of dive into what you're talking about, Jr. Um, j- just keep in mind when you play a module like we're like, like if you take those adventures that you have and you run people through them online um like you you create a virtual game table uh, like we have and and just let people roll dice online it is no different than if you um it's no different than if you were playing a video game on twitch like all these other video gamers right so you have the right to um play through this 
and have people sit down at your table, play through it. You can say, oh, yeah, um, with uh, Module B1, it's set in this town, and in Crimson Hawk, we're putting it right here. And that's totally legal, right? Yeah. The only time it gets weird is if you say, now we're going to sell it to you, right? And yeah. now that's when you're, you're running into trouble. Right. right. So you could you could totally have like if you got uh, some people from your writers group or something like that and said, hey, we can do this separate show where we play through some of the old beginning modules and it would help me learn this. You could do that online with no trouble at all um, and right. nobody would give you any crap. But if you were like, hey, um, we're going to take the f- covers off and we're going to slap our own covers on it and sell it. You know, yeah, you yeah. can't do that. That's illegal. But 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 if you think about it, because I I recently bought like B one through twelve or whatever, just because I was gonna you know r- run the family through some of these modules because my wife's never played and I'm gonna force her, you know, to you know confront her mortality. <laughs> yeah. So 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 I I started looking at it because I, you know I you know when I played D and D I never played any modules. They were all hand rolled. Um, and, and I look at them. There, there's not much to them. I mean, they're all like nope. 30, 35 pages. It's very simple. I mean, any any one of us have written oodles more than any of that stuff. You know, uh, maybe all of them combined easily. Um, you know, any one novel is more than all of the B modules together. So, you know, so it, there's really not much there to take from. I mean, you know, I, I think no, but out of the learn. out of the good out of the good ones, they're balanced. Which no, balance. right, right, right. I think yeah, that's I think that's the yeah. art. That's the art of yeah. it, is is understanding you know you know what the equation would be for the the levels of the characters that you're playing and the number of them versus the hit dice of the things that you're going to encounter. I think that's that's the thing that where you need to learn from those modules how the balance works. But you know as soon as you got that formula down, it, it's it's trivial to make up. Any of the, you know, make up your own module basically, and then you know, it's kind of like a start of yeah. any novel. Yeah. Some of the the interesting thing that, like, in, in the thing that maybe you're underestimating a little bit is the room descriptions that you get with those modules. You have to remember, the average person is not creative. All right, right, right. So, right. so yeah. they're, they, you know, they're like, okay, you go into a, like, to an extent, James is kind of this kind of DM. Like, it's a square room. Okay, now pick up any Ravenloft module and read the description oh, yeah. for any room, even the most meaningless water closet. So I, so I, 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 I need you a look. with a sense of dread. So I need a, I, I need to look at those because the the B modules didn't impress me with their descriptions. I mean, I think they're, there's. Some they're, yeah, but remember, these are all modules that are written seventy nine, seventy eight, right? And sure. they're for the very beginning of D anD D, where people you got to remember, like four years prior to this, people were like. Hey, let's get together and play miniatures. And they're playing miniatures. And yeah. They're like, wouldn't it be funny if I went in this castle over here? Yeah, right. that'd be funny. Maybe there'd be a dragon in there. I don't know. They wouldn't have a twenty. I mean, like literally, yeah. they were just putting it together. Oh no, no, yeah. But when you reach the, the 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 Ravenloft modules, I'm not kidding. Like the room description in that, and and the world building in that, like, is so on point. It's crazy. Like, and for you as a DM to sit down, like, I'm going to run the family through. If you wrote out something equivalent to a Ravenloft room description and then sit down with your family to play it. Like all you would do looking up from your little, you know, paragraph that you wrote and looking at your family would just be like mouths gaping in horror. One that is so disgusting, but two, like you literally sat down and wrote all this shit down. Like, and that's the thing you get out of modules, like for the non-creative person, 
you get you get mood and atmosphere out of those room descriptions. Right. No. 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 hundred percent agree. And what I ended up having to do because yeah, yeah. Tomorrow I'm I'm playing with with family. Is I I took like uh, yeah I forget which B module it was B four or whatever. But yeah, anyway, um, uh, and I ended up taking all the rooms that were there because a lot of them are just you know they're like three sentences. It, it, it's not intended to be really read as a description per se. You know, it was kind of notes to the DM, it, it seemed like to me. Um, and I, I ended up writing out the longhand the descriptions for each room, so I didn't have to make it up on the fly. Um, you know, b because, yeah, the, the the descriptions that were in the original B modules weren't very inspiring. And it sounds like uh, what you're talking about, the Ravenloft, I've never looked at, sounds like it's a totally different thing. Um, yeah, but, but they're you know they're Tracy Hickman, so like okay. you know, I mean that, yeah. that guy was you know a lot of the a lot of the module designers didn't become writers, right? You know, right, right. I mean they they probably have, but like you know Hickman is legit, you know, and right. so so they 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 are and they can be. You just have to remember like D and D is written for people who are not who didn't have that skill set, but they wanted to play. They had right. the imagination. They just didn't necessarily have the, 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 the verbal word skills to. Right. To and, and to be, and to be honest, I, I'm not even sure even having, after having read it, you know, the, the, in the re rationale behind some of the modules, other than to create a nice skeleton of what a campaign would be. Um, but, but it's certainly not, you know, in my opinion, wasn't enough as is, for a like a, uh, a, a you know a scene you know uh, stirring kind of you know description. I mean, the, those original modules weren't sufficient, but it was a good start to me. You know? Right, and they're not they're not epic either. As in, yeah. they do they do come out of the '70s storytelling of like good looking good looking drifters come to town, solve the murder. Right, like, right. It, it's not a it's not an ongoing. The Ravenloft ones do kind of get into story arc. Right. But but limitedly so. It's not till much. I, I, it's probably not till Dragonlance, where yeah. modules start. Like you know, now you do this, and you know, now you're ready for this thing to happen and stuff like that. Yeah. Which is all storytelling is now, and I kind of just miss like you know, just drifting. You know, like hey, you know, we we solved that small city's problem of uh, giants, and uh, like I think like if you the, if you play the correct me if I'm wrong. Well, the the giant module like that's yeah, basically against like, the giants the yeah those like take forever like you got to yeah. do a bunch of stuff you know it's almost like a sand sandbox kind of world and then if you look at like later on when companies like uh paizo started taking over dungeon um you know and i can i can send you some of those mike to take a look at um um the uh uh like for example, when they when they decided like, hey, we're gonna we're gonna put together connected adventures for people to play through, mm -hmm. and they started developing the first like um, like real adventure paths. Not not so much like against the giants, where it was like these three adventures can be played independently or separately. Right. It was like, nope, these adventures are connected, and they they lead from one story to another. So like, you legit ended up doing starting at level one and go all the way to level 20 um through a series of of adventures sold as magazines and they did really well and then they collected them all in this great le like leather bound uh editions and tome. They, they were tome they're huge like 500 pages but yeah. like but like the thing is like you saw the evolution of uh when those started of what D D was going to start to become 
uh, right. because of the fact that you know now you had professional writers um, like the guy who does uh, uh, Critical Role, Matt Mercer. Mm-hmm. Right, he understands what a room, how sh- how a room should be described. He understands that uh, the theatrics of being a GM. Uh, like if you ever watch him uh, on Critical Role or anything like that, he does one of the principal traits that that I, I really feel differentiates a um, a great GM from like an okay GM is that he doesn't sit down at the table. He stands, you know, and because sitting. You know, you just you got your arms and whatever, but you, when you got your yeah. whole body feeding into a performance, you know, you you can really get into stuff, and 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 you see that, uh, you feel it at the table. I mean, even in the digital space, you can kind of feel it. So it's uh, yeah, it's fun. So, so so I'm curious because because this is the impression I got in, uh, <laughs> from the B modules was there was no. I mean, I guess any, anything, you know, you know, uh, a visit to the neighbor could be a story arc, but but there was no real story arc in as much as that there was an ending to any of the modules. It was it was more the you wander in, and then there's something to explore, and that was the extent of it. That's correct. You know, yeah, I mean, it, it was not a story arc in the way that a, a a story, you know, that you know, a modern day story that I had imagined. Our later modules more story arc-ish? Well, it depends. Yeah. You know, what are you looking for? Are you looking for an adventure where you're interacting with townspeople? Oh, or, or it's like say, save the princess. There's a goal and then yeah. you, you you get to the goal, you know, whatever well, the goal that, was. Once again, yeah. what what are you looking for in that experience? Are right. you looking for Indiana Jones with a sword? Then you want yeah. um, Journey to Castle Greyhawk. You know, yeah. because it's a castle that was abandoned after... Um, a major traumatic event, and then a bunch of monsters just moved in, right? right. There's your Indiana Jones just in, just investigating the temple. There are no right. Nazis. The Nazis took the day off. It's just the yeah. monsters inside, like the snakes and shit, and you just got to right. deal with that. Do right. you want um, like epic story and stuff like that? And you want uh, you want adventure modules that start. Uh, start like political intrigue saving the princess right you jump yeah. ahead 10 15 years and now you're talking dark walker on moonshay set in the forgotten realms yeah. um, right. and e- even that is like uh almost like high art because those uh, originally the moonshay isles was supposed to be its own separate campaign setting but right. at the time money was weird it was uh, a tsr so they just rolled it right into the forgotten realms as like a yeah. separate island kind of thing right? so, so 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 that brings it back to to the, uh, what we're doing now though um I mean, what what do we want in the campaign that we're doing do we want the epic tale with a goal in the end or is it a, a, a is it just an exploration of you know crimson hawk or whatever um you know is, is there a goal like right now we've got this war with this fantastical giant giantess or whatever but um you know what 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 are we trying to do with this you know what what is our goal you know in in our campaign that we're doing now from the party we don't really have one we just wander around trying to kill things and take their shit yeah i mean but and and is that the extent of it i mean is is that truly the goal uh you know or or do we have prometheus had a goal prometheus i always had a goal Right. And it was why I wanted to do this with James. Is I wanted to get to the bottom of the castle. Okay. James told me one time a, 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 a thing, a cryptic thing. He said, listen, uh, or he, I, I said, what's at the bottom? What's at the lowest level? 
or he, he he wouldn't tell me. And I said, did you kill it? And he goes, oh, no, that thing couldn't be killed. And so that intrigued me. Yeah. And so Prometheus is, you know, has his own goals in life about obviously he's a lunatic. And and but for him, it was like, oh, well, to become an even greater lunatic, then I would probably want the power of the thing at the bottom of the castle. Sure. Um, that seems fairly impossible because we're still on the first level. <laughs> and like if I added up all Prometheus experiences right now, I think he'd be like 12th or 13th level. Right. So, you know, but he's just he's just now he's a, he's a 19 hit dice monster. Right. So I, I don't know. But what 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 would I like to do? I'd right. like to I'd like to do a campaign. It would be fun to to actually play in Greyhawk. It'd be fun to make like new characters at first level, um, pick a, pick a new area, and and start out and kind of begin to interact with the world. Maybe go on some limited adventures. Maybe actually you know fold in a module. Right. Um, but begin you know since there's so much enthusiasm, so it, it would be you know science fiction writers playing Greyhawk. And I think that would be interesting storytelling for us. We could come back to Crimson Hawk, you know, and, yeah. and, and, and journey through this silliness. But like, you know, for my Friday afternoon, I enjoyed about 10 minutes of it today when I got involved and started causing trouble. That's when I would, that's the 10 minutes I enjoyed. And that's the 10, you know, not to be arrogant. That's the 10 minutes that it got interesting. So uh, Rothman, C.S. Smith said if you reach out to him, so if you give your email right now to him, um, he'll get you uh, a copy of 16 Ravenloft or a different Ravenloft module through drive-thru. He'll gift you one so you can try it. That's I6, I believe it is. Oh, is it I6? Okay. Mike at michaelarothman.com. Try either just like Ravenloft or like Feast of Goblins is is weird, but Ravenloft is just such a crazy – interesting world yeah and uh you know it's just it's but that ravenloft has a great insanity mechanic in it it's a lot of fun but you don't want to play that with the family what what characters is the fam going to run uh well you know for for the b module it's just you know starting off you know it's it's the basic you know fighter magic user and thief kind of thing so yeah i mean there's not, not, not nothing spe- special about the b modules so, so. Are they rolled their characters or yeah yeah they, yeah they, yeah they're all rolled. so what are they so what are the Rothmans playing? That's what I'm asking. Uh, uh, yeah, I forget which is which. I, well, I, I know my wife is a healer, so she's a cleric. Um, you know, I think my eldest son is a wizard, and the other one is the rogue. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. And the cool thing about the B modules is you can also play an elf. Yeah. Yeah, I think they... they, they uh... An elf is fireball at third level, which is fun. Uh, yeah, I, I, I have to go look. I, I don't remember what races they chose. So, uh. I think we should make a group of hobbits. Oh my god! And, and just call them hobbits. And just wait to get sued. Oh <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I mean, the original stuff had halflings, so yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, there's the halflings still exist, right? Yeah. Yeah. One of yeah. Uh, one of the the. Uh, we went to a game convention and, and not like uh, after doing comic book conventions for years after years after years, uh, I, I couldn't take it anymore. So like going to something <laughs> like Gen Con or something that will never happen. I'll never go. Um, but um, something like, Hey, you know, we're having this convention for um, 40 or 50 people at my house. 
you know, <laughs> uh, th- which yeah. I used to do all the time in the early 2000s. And I thought it was the greatest thing ever. You know, um, they have this uh, this website called EN World, where it's kind of like a D&D clearinghouse of all the news and pe- what people are doing and stuff like that. And uh, somebody put an announcement up one day and was like, hey, I'm doing a uh, an at-home convention. And we went. And uh, one of the funniest things ever was... Um, and I, I used to try and sign up for the game every single time I went was um, the players started off in prison as goblins and <laughs> you were captured during uh, a raid on a castle like like a group of knights did a dungeon dive and your crew, your like chieftain surrendered. So you were all put in jail until they figured out, or you know, in the camp under guard until they figured out what to do with you. Um, and they they come up with you with a choice. Um, En world, beware that place in RPG net. Both are hives of social justice warrior insanity. <laughs> um, well, I, I don't know. I don't really go to either one of those places uh, just because um, uh, anymore. Because there's, it just seems like everything devolves into a lot of arguing, and I just, I don't need that in my life. Um, but um, yeah, so the uh, the captain of the knights comes up to you and says, um, "I can make you richer than any goblin lord in the past if you work for me. I need an inside man." And the players agree, you know hopefully agree to act as double agents inside of goblin society and act as sappers and just start wrecking shit and it was so much fun because the first two two sessions was the first session was you go back to where you came from and like poison the new chief (laughs) and then the second session was um the orcs that that kind of lorded over you had just started moving into the castle where they had just cleared out and they wanted you to poison their their uh their wargs so their riding wolves and and stuff um but the the third adventure was where it got interesting because they wanted you to um help prep a town to repel an orc attack but you're (laughs) goblins so they don't want you there you know, and like the role playing was hysterical. You know, you go in, you got this letter of Mark from the knight saying that you you're his agent and want to be there. And one of the player characters was was a human knight. It was the only human in the party. Everybody else was goblins. And the player at the time, this guy was was just hysterical because he was like he was like a dad trying to herd six kids who had just got off the bus at Disney. And it was just, oh, my God, it was so funny. But, like, you know, you're trying to teach this farmer. This is how you use a spear. He's like, how am I supposed to take you seriously? You are three and a half feet tall, and your spear is, like, as long as my chair leg. You know, and it just, oh, my God. You know, so stuff like that can be really, really interesting, yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah, playing is playing, mon- like, like interesting monster stuff is, is always kind of fun. Um, I think, uh, I think one thing that I have seen lacking in campaigns that I think would be interesting, which kind of ties into what you're saying there is like, it would be interesting if people would actually play races as races, 
instead yes. of kumbaya. Like, like the elves are really dicks and they don't like each other, anybody. And the dwarves <laughs> are dicks and they don't like anybody either. And basically every race is a dick to every race and they won't have anything to do with you. And I think that's kind of fun. Like it's not, you know, not from a racist standpoint or anything like that. It just kind of makes, it, it makes some interesting choices and and you know it makes some interesting combat opportunities like if you end up you say like okay let's all play a party of dwarves and various things well now you can go like have dwarf and elf wars you know that are always referred to in every history until the players start rolling dice and suddenly it's like elves and dwarves are best friends you know now you're in modern D &D and like and even this demon is their friend and everybody's a friend it's like you know, like and now, you know, now as I understand it, the orcs are friends too. Like the monsters are now friends. And that's that's no fun. I mean, like the the, <laughs> the fun the, the fun of D is is wailing on stuff. And that's a and that, to, that's to a, wail on stuff you must have you must have draw you must have animosity. Yeah, and that's the thing too, like you know, the, we were talking about this, God, not even two months ago. Um, you know, like with the orcs. It's like, you know, or uh I saw the uh I saw that article where everybody was like, well, you know, we can't have kobolds with low scores because that's discriminatory. It's like it's a freaking two foot rat with a with a snake head. It's yeah. not going to be able to bench press 400 pounds. I'm sorry. So, yeah. yeah. See, see, the thing for, for me is, you know, it, this is the same argument where, you know, uh, you know so so. You know, like you know, let's just stick to humans for now. But you know, you know, male and female. You know, there's a valid argument that says you know, you know, writing a woman badly is you know, you're making them you know, basically guy guys with boobs. You know, so that that's probably not a fair portrayal of what a woman should be written as. You know, so to me, taking that to D and D, it's like you know, in my mind. You know, kobolds should have a very specific personality type, and you know, just like dwarves should, just like everyone else should, and they may not necessarily be pleasant to deal with. You know, but if everybody is just a different flavor of you know human, human. behavior, what, yeah. what what's the point? And you know, what, yes, but my, but there's a there's a danger my, in you're a X race, so you absolutely have to hate heights or, or whatever, and that that always felt lazy to me when I saw that, like you're going to have outliers. I mean, you might have some traits that are the same, but, but the idea that they're all just cookie cutters of themselves doesn't work either. Well, not necessarily. Well, cookie right. Cutters, but... Right. But you have to understand, you know, the, um, uh, I saw this, uh, uh, it was in the, uh, God, uh, um, uh, death dealer books, right? There are, uh, there are races in there that when he's dealing with them, you know, people are like, why are you so quick to just pound on them? And he's and, you know, he, he doesn't talk a lot in the books, uh, but he says straight out, um, they're not human. They don't think like you. You know, you're not you're you know, you don't walk up to a village of these of these things and just have a conversation. If you they don't understand when you walk up to the village, what you're doing. Because to you, to them, it is the sheep walking up to the wolf to have a conversation. Right. He's like, and that's and that's what I think is lacking in a lot. Because I don't think it should be an allegory for human race. You right. Know, because right. human race is just, 
is just skin color and culture, you know? I mean, big deal. Yeah, I mean, there, there, there is no difference. I mean, you know, yeah. in races and humans, yeah. I mean, right. yeah, we're fundamentally the same, you know, right. and, and that's, and, and if we're going to have actual different races, let's make them be, different. There should be a history. There should be a kind of a, a built-in behavior. Like, like I, like I would, uh, I would assert. You know, let's imagine dwarves. You know, are, are short because they they lived underground for many many millennia, and so they naturally grew shorter. And 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 when they're above ground, they're like, oh my god, how the hell do you deal without having a ceiling? You know, yeah, the, you know yeah, that kind of deal. Yeah. Or I think one of the best depictions vitamin of, D deficiency. Yep. Yeah, well, yeah. one of the best depictions of race. Um, racial differences was in uh, Dark Sun, you know, because um, they actually treated the different races as very alien to each other. Like, for example, the halflings in Dark Sun were cannibals and they were like they were they were very vicious and very hard to deal with. Um, they had uh, elves. Elves in Dark Sun were alien like they, they you don't just walk up and talk to an elf unless you were really on your game because nine times out of ten they were scheming about something and the other the other one time that they're not scheming about something they're dealing with magic so and it's and, and magic in that setting is very dangerous and very alien so like uh, even even like the half breeds like in normal uh what do you call it normal uh D D you have the uh the what do you call it half elves half elves and half orcs yep and uh, and in Dark Sun, you had mules, which are half dwarf, half humans. But when they, when they are, after they are born, they go through this genetic transition where if they live, they outpace both parents. Um, and so, like, neither parentage want to have them around. The dwarfs don't like them because um, when, they, when they reach their full height, they're almost eight feet tall and immensely powerful. The humans don't like them because not only do, are they that tall and that powerful, but they're also usually very smart. So what did both races do? They enslaved them, right? So I mean that that yeah. I mean that. And imagine you have a lot of those. There's a built-in history. There's a built-in behavior that's learned, you know, you know, over the generations, and 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 that's where you know I think. That that's what makes storytelling interesting, whether it's in D and D campaigning or, or 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 just regular stories. You know, there is a difference. You're learning something new, and you understand why you know you know someone is being you know being the way they are. Yeah, you know, that to me is cool. Yeah, I would like if we were to do a campaign. I would I would like those elements, like going back to the alienness of other races. Mm -hmm. You know, making you know like just like in Tolkien, he tries to stress how alien the elves are you know that they, oh, yes. they're, they're, they're just they're all about something else you never see people like even give a nod to that in D. it's just like the right. elf walks in like hey everybody i'm your elf friend you know like the, <laughs> you know it's like yeah. you know like i mean like try to play an elf like a michael moorcock elf like oh, just God. tired tired of living you know and, yeah. and addicted no, to, no. addicted to some kind of drug you know that and, and and just into like some really weird shit where people really question their sanity and even talking to you would be fun. Well, uh, well, no, I mean that—that's the cool thing because if you ever think about what what would it be like, you know, because elves, you know, certainly in the token world, we're we're, we're immortal, you know, you know, or at least very, 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 very long lived. Um, so, you know, what what would it be like to, you know, live 
you know, for thousands of years, you you, you might you might get a little you know, you know get a little attitude, yeah. <laughs> that, that, you have a, like like take take your average dungeon, and that's what D and D is: is dungeons yeah. and dragons. The the human character's motivation for going down into the dungeon is humans are capitalists. You know, there is yeah. no leftism yet. There is no there is no it, it, humans are purely like let's make stuff. We need money. Or banditry or warfare, like humans are very industrial people. And so, if if a murder hobo has decided to get his group together and go down into the dungeon, it is for economic gain. The elf, on the other hand, doesn't need economic gain. Yeah. The elf is going down there because it's bored to death. Right. <laughs> you know, now is it is it bored to death? Or or does it have some higher calling? Like, well, we see what humans are up to, and we think that's we think they'd be pretty good allies against the orcs. So let's help them. Like, let's go help them find this. Like, the elf, I always thought should have like if they're going to be really long lived, they should have this innate lore ability. So when the humans go down there, the, the, the elf is able to say, yeah, you know, this this tower was you know made by this wizard, and you know we beat the snot out of him about a thousand years ago, but we never went down into the lower levels, and there was a there was a sword down there that is really powerful and you know the, the elf should be able to tell you some lore about what's down in there and then and then and then you know that's his motive if, he, if he's good his motivation is he wants to help humans because humans you know humans are the bigger stick to hit orcs with um but he's not down there for economic gain he has treasure or you know he 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 he's he doesn't you know he has natural magic though something would have to be really interested interesting for him to get into it. Um, why do you take the dwarves down there? What is their motivation for going? And maybe that's where the alienness comes in. I, I can't really think of a motivation of why a dwarf would ever leave what they have and go down into a dungeon because they live in I dungeons. Could. Special, no some sort of special ore that they need to make something. Yeah, they would. They would go down for research purposes. That would be right. like they're they're not. You know, yeah, the money's a good thing, but they they already mine and make money and magic. Mm, I always kind of thought like in a certain way, dwarves were pretty tribalistic about their magic. Like we have our magic, and you know, like they're you know, like dwarves are the snake handlers of of magic. Like you know, I, I was born a snake handler, and I'll die a snake handler. <laughs> yeah. You know, like <laughs> you know, they're kind of hillbillies, but they're not there for for monetary gain. And they they dwarves have learned like don't go poking around where you're not supposed to be, and so they're yeah. cautious. So is a dwarf really going to be like you know down there wanting to kill? Like people play dwarves as you know I'm all Scottish McDrunkard. I love to kill everything. <laughs> Well, that's not really dwarves. Like, if you look at the dwarven mindset, they're burrowing animals. Uh, they, they're very family-oriented. None of these things bespeak, I want to go crawl around with murder hobos in strange places. Right. So you, you can't make that now. And we know the halflings won't. So they're, recur they're recruited as burglars, obviously, or, you know, stealthy type people. And there has to be something that takes them. There has to be some calling curiosity is the thing that you could use but like in all and you can always have exceptions to the rules but like people don't play races they just play i get con i get this class i get these things yeah. but they never play like why is the elf there why is the dwarf there you know why is the, the half is a mercenary he'll go anywhere and he really doesn't much care and life sucks everywhere so why not go do this and maybe you'll get to stab all these motherfuckers in the back and take their money <laughs> yep 
No, no. And I think motivation really is a, you know, it's a fun thing to play. Because, like, uh, going back to the elf, you know, who, who are, like, long-lived and everything else, what if they have a very longer view of the world and they say, and they see something going wrong and they're trying to fix it because they're going to have to deal with it a thousand years from now. So, you know, so that may motivate them to do something that may not necessarily be obvious to us because the problem is maybe still a century away, but... Uh, but for them, it's tomorrow. Yeah, it's like so. So, so they have different motivations than we might have. But yeah, you know, it, you know, it, it would be very easy to incorporate those into reasonable stories. Captain K in the chat is like, it's why I never read stories about elves or dwarves because they're always just humans. One is the short humans, and the other are the tall humans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, and I, that's it. He's he's spot on about that. And it's it would be interesting more to play the alienness of the tribes, which is what is, you know, attempting to be brainwashed out of our, our society. I actually think that in the next two to five years, you will actually see D&D cancel itself as in, you know, they're 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 working towards this conclusion already. And I know. what they're Wait. eventually going to say is they're going to say, like, listen, this game is inherently racist. The creators are all racist. We really shouldn't be playing this game. We have this new thing called, you know, just sitting around talking as a fantasy. You know, furries is what we're yeah. fantasy furries. <laughs> yeah, and we're just all we're all friends, and we adventure together and have sex in our costumes. Um, <laughs> How dare but, you judge but, them so? <laughs> I can't. But no, but, they, but, don't, but, they don't want to play D and D. No, 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 exactly. Because if you think about it, it, it's always who's the boogeyman. So right now is the orcs. You know, we're. You're evil, so everybody needs to be nice. And now, now, now that uh, at some point now everybody's going to be nice, so who's the next thing in the D and D scape that needs to get killed? You know, and, and it's maybe D and D itself. Yeah. Uh, so I think no, I, right. I think that that's the end game is that you yeah. eventually come, you eventually point, you you eventually the AI eventually realizes it's the problem and turns right. itself off. Right. Like it's and that's that's the biggest problem the society has right now. Yeah. is we go okay you you've canceled that thing that's enough right guys and like no we thought of six more things to cancel because canceling is fun if you if you keep following that thing yeah you do get canceled D and you do get death camps it's it's going that way whether <laughs> you like it or not you so, know that i can i can already see i already can tell you the lead figures at D who have been the biggest proponents and champions and like look what wonderful thing i did and i made D inclusive and when the 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 you know the troglodytes like us who keep playing D and keep insisting on slaughtering kobolds they'll say you know it's really problematic and maybe we just need to shut the thing off maybe there won't be a 6.0 and wizards and wizards because you would say like, well, why would wizards shoot them in the face right now and like shoot their shoot themselves in the foot like that? But you literally do see major corporations right now turning off their products because they're they have an emotional gun pointed at their head by the left. So yeah. I think you actually will see D and D cancel itself. So bringing this back around, because you know I am the master of the blunt force segue. Um, <laughs> Where do we uh, where where do we want to uh, dip our toes in the water now? You know, do we want to do what Nick was suggesting and and get that uh, that first level experience? Because all of our yeah, characters started at third. Yeah. No, I'd like to. I'd like to start off as first. I'd like to. I'd like to. You know, like I'd like to start off as a first level character and go through a first level dungeon, 
you know, whether we do we, we we make a homebrew setting or we do we do Greyhawk, which is interesting because we have this relationship with all these Greyhawk other streamers, and you know maybe we do the science fiction writers playing old school Greyhawk, our version, and we begin to incorporate our you know JR JR sets his his campaign out on you know the mountains between whatever's out between that and the Sea of Dust, and that's the Borderlands, and you know I, I like I really enjoy Walt's style of DMing. If you've ever played with him you will just have a blast with Walt DMing. He he gets it on a lot of levels. Well, he's gonna, better than Matt Mercer. Oh, don't you don't you oh god, I'm gonna, I'm not going to be able to sleep tonight now. Um <laughs> but uh don't forget uh Monday uh we have That's right. Um, yeah, I'm in. Yeah, Monday we have uh White Star, which is old white box D&D with the Star Wars numbers filed off. Um and then um so yeah, we're going to be doing that uh as part of our lunchtime test drive. Uh, so, I don't yeah. have a character. Oh, I got you covered. You just got to, you just got to let me know what flavor of pirate you want, <laughs> and none of those uh, nice pirates yeah. either. And this is these are star pirates, right? Of course, they're star pirates. Okay. All right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll, I'll only great like, pirates for you. Uh, yeah, I'll have to think up a like a, a stellar rogue archetype. Is that is that what we're doing? Uh, whatever, whatever you want. You know, because okay, um, cool. the the idea is, um, yeah, Captain K is like it has. To oh, be, I know what I don't want to play. I want to play Stink Eye. Yes, oh, I got you. No problem. Okay, cool. I got you. Mercenary space wizard. <laughs> I got you. So it'll be awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, I know exactly how to do it too. Yeah, that won't be a problem. Okay, cool. Um, See, that was easy. Yep, that was easy. So we got so far. We got mercenary Stink Eye. Right, which hmm. is the which is the uh, uh, yeah the drunken vindictive space wizard, um, drunken vindictive space. Wizard. Right, we have um, we have uh, the big furry hairy archetype uh, like AKA Chewbacca. He's he's gonna play one. Um, we have a uh, tinkerer who manages to put together like an assault suit. Um, and then whatever J- Jr. is going to want to play something with a heavy machine gun. <laughs> I loved being a saw gunner, man. It was like the the bright spot of my life. So I was thinking, hey, you with the feet, knock it off. Um, I was thinking giving you like something like a. Um, I was I was thinking about giving you uh, making you something like a Marcus Phoenix type. So. Um, you are a big armored jerk with a fully automatic rifle that has a bayonet that's a chainsaw on it. I can dig that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, chain, uh, ch- chainsaw, chainsaw AK-47 is always the way to go. Yep. I still can't believe I didn't actually hit a single monster. Today. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't either. I, so, I, I I just knew everything that I was yeah. I was gonna do was useless. So I was like, okay. But I, I, I think like the great thing is that I was thinking about like how did I how did I turn that chick to stone? Was I whined to James? I'm like, well, okay, so another thing I done and like he sensed like, oh no, I'm shutting him down too much. And so he was perfectly primed yeah. for me to go, James, I wanna do something. And he's like, Okay, you can do whatever. I'm like, Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> I actually big monster doesn't have arms. <laughs> So I roll my dice right before the encounter because I'm slow with the math, so that way I can 
you know, keep the show moving. And I actually got for a, a fight that never happened, but my last roll, I actually got three twenties in a row. Cause I just threw a, I'm like, that's never going to happen again. Never. Don't throw that. Just roll that sheet over to next week. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there you go. And then, uh, uh, yeah. So don't worry though. On Monday, twenties are going to be twenties. Oh yes. <laughs> oh yeah. Double damage. Oh yeah. You know. Yeah. But they're, they're, oh god, I uh, I put the maps together today, uh, and I got to send out characters today too. Um, but you know, there was there, at some point I needed to sleep. I was starting to shut down. I actually started drooling on my keyboard. I'm like, yeah, I got to go to bed. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I put the maps together today and I sent out a couple of the characters because uh, they're they're super easy to put together. Oh, my God. White Star is, is so easy um, because all that old white box stuff was just roll 3D6, put it together, and don't mm-hmm. worry about craziness because it's super hyper simple and uh, you're never going to get over level 10. So there you go. Why are you never going to get over level do. 10? Oh, go ahead. Okay. Go ahead first, Nick, and then I'll answer his question. Oh, here, here's what we should do. If we do a new campaign, we should roll up. We should have a session where we roll up characters. Oh yeah. And we we use a dice roller, and it's, I'll be nice and say forty six. Forty six. That's your stat. Yeah, and there's no like, oh, you know, like, and you can organize the numbers however you want. Let's do it that way. But. Like, you know, none of this, like, like every, like, you know, my character has some high stats. We all have high stats, but I'd love to just see some average characters, like yeah. go play D and D. You know, the, so what's the fighter average? with 14 strength, yep. 14, I think 14 is completely average. Yeah. I think I started wow. with 15s and Walt said that was a little unusual. Yeah. Cause that's high. Yeah. It, 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 it's, it's unusual because it's high, but it's unusual also because like, if you play D and D with most people, somebody's gonna have like you know. I was shocked one time when I played and like someone started with like a twenty strength. We were playing like I, we were playing three point five or whatever, and I'm like, what? You don't start with that, but like yeah. you know, when I when I was a kid and you went into a game store and someone was DMing, like, okay, roll a character. It was three six. Mm-hmm. You're like, but I have intelligence. And they're like, yeah, you can play that one, you idiot. Okay. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and it's funny too because an eight intelligence is the back then was the minimum intelligence you needed for a wizard. Yeah, so I used well, to... well, if you think about it, the, the average roll would be like a ten and a half. I yeah. mean, you know, realistically, so you know, but average. They, you know, like there's mechanics that I always thought were, was was more interesting. Like, like you know, okay, so between adventures, like you know, what is your character too? Okay, well, I'm a wizard. Well, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna dive into the library for a week, and I'm gonna really get good. And you know, low levels, and if you're playing, the DM goes, okay, I'm gonna give you a point of intelligence, like. If you can think up something creative to, to increase your skill at low levels, it makes it much more fun, yeah. and and it makes it makes the campaign come alive. But if everybody is already starting, like, of course I'm in a wizard, so I have an 18 intelligence. I'm a cleric. I have an eight. Like, literally, the modern party is like a bunch of freaks, as opposed to what D and D really initially was was like normal you know, people, mer, mer, normal people, and then you got good. And so yeah. that would be a thing I would insist on: is we all roll dice. And you take that loser. And then... <laughs> so I, I did my dice rolling with, was it the dragon's foot thing Walt put yeah. me on too? So, and I just took whatever it was, but I screenshotted everything because Walt's like, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> so I was like, here's the picture. Well, that's the thing too, because yeah. like this is, this is the first game I've ever played where everybody was like, no, you need an 18 in this. And it's like, uh, what? 
like the, when, yeah. I, when I submitted my first character uh, to James, uh, um, Andrew was the one who shot it back, and I'm like, oh wow, James has an assistant. Um, <laughs> he shot it back, and he's like, no, you need to put this as an 18, and this blah blah blah. I'm like, yeah, but that's not what I rolled. You know what I mean? And so is that yeah. abnormal to move them around? Yes. <laughs> yeah, back in the day, you rolled originally. You rolled whatever. A strength was a strength. You're yeah, you rolled you're 3d6, and based on what you got, that would yeah. be determine what character class. You didn't just pick. Yeah, you, you didn't say, oh, I'm going to make a paladin. Like, right, right. You, like, I remember people like, I rolled a 17, I'm going to make a paladin. Like, it was, it was, you know, and you had to have rolled that 17 on that charisma. Like, and that, and that made the character more rare. Right. Which is why paladins are studs. No, know? no, 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 exactly. It, it, it was, it was like, God, yeah, you know, it would be so cool if I could actually become a paladin, yeah, you know, or, you know, or or roll up a paladin, yeah, you know, because you, you normally couldn't, yeah, you know, because and you didn't like, have that. Uh, well, here's the other thing too: is that uh, um, the like the older school D and D stuff, um, uh, uh, especially like uh, I just. Uh, it was last year, middle of last year, Frog God Games put together uh, a boxed set. So they broke up their rules, which is Swords and Wizardry, into a box set of four books. And then, you know, through stretch goals, they got other books and stuff like that. But they're starting to disseminate those books right now to the backers. And they Frog God usually does this cool thing where they put these little sidebars and it's like in original D&D this is how it was done and now today these are some of the innovations you can put in your game to make them more modern or revert them back to their original format you know and it's like you're reading these sidebars and it's almost like a trip down history lane you're like that's badass but like one of the things in the players book I was reading the other day it was like the the alignments were just lawful neutral or chaotic yes. Not good, not evil, just lawful, neutral, chaotic. And it said in the fighter's description, you know, you got into that sidebar and it said, if during the course of the fighter's campaign, you decide as a lawful fighter to become a paladin, if your stats so support it, you can transfer it any time. And I'm like, oh, that's dope, you know? So, like, the, the fighter who becomes a crusader and then becomes chosen by God later, yeah, that's cool as hell. You know, that's some, like, Paul the Apostle stuff. And you're like, man, that's dope, you know? Because it was it was the kind of literature they had at the time, and uh, it, it made for a almost like a character arc, an actual whole character arc, not just murder hobo take their stuff, right, at the table, you know? So, uh, yeah, there was a lot of that stuff. And to answer your question, JR, um, why is why did they only go to level 10? Um, it's, a, it's a different scale. The XP is a different scale. The hit points are a different scale. Like, for example, White Star, um, everybody's hit points are rolled with a D6. So, like, when I first started playing, I'm like, I'm looking at all of this uh, White Star stuff before I started producing like adventures and modules and stuff. Uh, and I was like, man, uh, the the most powerful gun in here only does really like 3d6 damage. If you're wearing the battle armor that you can pick up and have a skein field, which is like a force field, I'm like, you're not getting through any of this. And then I looked and I'm like, oh, wait a minute. The hit points are d6 too. So if you get whacked two hits or like one or two hits can take you out even if you're like fourth or fifth level this is not good <laughs> you know what i mean no and suddenly that game that game became like when when i was trying it out with uh uh 
the test group that I normally like test products with, I'm like, oh, let's just have our own game that where it's just us doing like bounty hunter stuff. Because uh, um, what do you call it? Killjoys had just come on TV. And I'm like, yeah, let's do let's just have a Killjoys game once a week where we're not testing out a product. We're just having fun and doing whatever. And man, like I was killing characters because I was the GM. I was killing characters left and right. And I'm like, really <laughs> sorry, guys. But um, it's it, uh, yeah, maybe you. Yeah, maybe you might not use cover, <laughs> you know, and it changed the tone of the game because like they weren't just walking in and being like, we have a warrant for you. You're coming with us. It was, hey, we're hold on a second. <clears throat> we have a warrant. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they were hiding behind stuff. And, you know, uh, at one point they were like, yeah, we're not going into the saloon. Uh, and, you know, like you guys remember uh, uh, Robocop? They had uh-huh. the Ed 209. They went out to, yeah. like, a police department. They bribed uh, a local law enforcement police uh, and then uh, uh, borrowed their Ed 209, like, like riot droid to serve <laughs> the warrant because they didn't want to get shot, you know? And, like, one of the guys is, like, a space knight. He's, like, like a star knight, uh, like, almost like a Jedi, and, uh, you know, it's not like in, in Star Wars where they can just throw powers left and right as, as, how they have it now. You know, it's like you get so many slots per day where you can use these powers. And if you screw it up, because there's a potential you can screw it up. And, like, one guy tried to, like, almost like hold person a dude. He's like, yeah, he won't shoot me. Hold person. And he failed the roll. And the guy made his saving throw. And I'm like, yeah, he's not held, and he's got a rifle. Oh, my God. I mean, basically broke down the table. I was like, oh, crap. (laughs) You know, like, stuff got real because it was old-school D&D back when it was more miniatures rules than just role-playing. And the reason they only have 10 levels is because, you know, instead of, yeah, for every monster you you earn, uh, you know, 6,000 points and blah, 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 it's like, you know, if you're a level two monster, you might get 20 points, 20 XP from that monster. Level five monster, you might get 150, 200 points. So the advancement is slower. You know, so yeah, it was it, it's, more more meaningful. Yeah, and it, it's just a it's just a fun game because it's quick and simple. It's one of those games you can use for a pickup game really easy because the characters are really easy to roll up. So I'm kind of looking forward to it, uh, especially because like I haven't done a pirate campaign in space yet. So, uh, um, uh, yeah, to have you guys, like, you know, use a hullbuster ship to break into, a, like, a, I don't know, like a freaking star cruise liner or something like that and rob everybody. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> you know, that would be amazing. So I that suggested to, in the side chat, I was suggesting that we just use the OSR rules because everybody's familiar with that and, and play Forgotten Ruins like it was right before everybody got there. Just a straight fantasy could go. be fun. Totes. But then, of course, Totes, you'd have yeah. to do the stats for the for the gnomes and orcs and whatever. Well, that's easy, right? Because um, I uh, we run the uh, uh, the side channel, which is um, uh, the lunchtime test drive. So what we're going to do is uh, after we're done doing the White Star sessions, um, there's a, a game called uh, Operation White Box where it's World War II using the D&D rules. And uh, we did a product for it uh, called uh, Special Missions, where we did uh, um, Modern Army Rangers. So because all the white box rules are compatible, 
you can do Forgotten Ruin right out of the box. Well, I was actually thinking just stick with the fantasy before the. Oh, I gotcha. Did you did you have have you read the entire book or listened to the entire book, Chair? I am on chapter fifteen because so okay. I've read the book, but I things came to light afterwards, so I'm going through it again to make sure I understand what you did. Uh, and um, the app that I have to use because it's he just gave me a, a packet of files. And so right. it keeps, it keeps uh, skipping around and not playing it in order, so it's a little bit slower. But uh, yeah. that's what happens when you can't listen to it in just like the Audible app or, you know, one of the yeah. published platforms. But I, I'm really digging. I like the narrator too. Yeah, he's really fun. There's a there's a section that you get to towards the end of the book where they go into this tomb, oh, and um, so good. And and there's these liches that have built this you know mighty fortress, and they begin to see their story. And their story takes place like 8,000 years before the Rangers show up. And it turns out that it's the Special Forces Alpha Team who um, landed in the ruin, ran out of ammo and weapons and everything like that, and basically became mercenaries. And then you know, learning wars. swords and axes. <laughs> yeah, and then basically took over most of Northern Europe. And, 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 then, and then basically became liches after that. I, I'm, just, so, I'm just giggling because yeah. it, it's like such, like, you're reading that and, you know, you had heard stuff that uh, um, uh, The Last of Autumn was talking about earlier yeah. about, like, all these conquerors and stuff like that. And then you start to realize who they are and you're like, Oh my God! And the imp- just, just, just the implications of that, and it's just oh, that's so good. Yeah, Jason's already like, well, when are you gonna write that story, and like, who's gonna write that story? I'm like, well, you know, we'll just spin it off, and someone, someone will write it, you know, and and so, <laughs> so that that I think I think like when people, I think people will dig that that story. Thor story but yeah like I mean yeah uh, and we were already talking like because we were working with the miniatures people that Walt set us up for for GE and the, the, the lead designer right? he's a ranger right I don't know if he's a or ranger he's, a, one he's, of the... a, he's an infantry officer I believe oh okay but he, he I think he went to ranger school right so he's he's tabbed and um, and uh, he, he, he he said that they had a bunch of ranger minifigs and we were like, oh, we should just do those for Forgotten Ruin with monsters and just like get a game going. That'd be fun. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Forgotten Ruin so much fun. <laughs> Especially if you know it like, is, some of the fun. D&D stuff. You know, like. Uh, yeah. It, like, yeah. Like, I, I've been sending Walt chap- chapters on the latest one. And he, he spotted a monster the other day. And I was like, oh, that's cool. He spotted it. So the. Um... <laughs> The one I like, the part I like the best, and like I said, I'm on chapter 17 now, is the uh, the explanation Thor gives of how he, you know, f- <laughs> well, is this a spoiler to say how he got his beard to just stick yeah, it to the no, man? No, so, no, that's so cool. He, he, he converted to a religion and to just to justify the beard so he could get it past yeah. army. I'm like, dude, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> yeah. And and he only, he only wanted the beard because he's like, listen. I'm a ranger sniper. This is as good as it gets for getting chicks, you know? So, you know, he, he just felt that the operator beard would be the final. And, you know, I don't know if rangers get to grow operator beards now, but back in the day, no, they did not. Yeah, not in the day. Yeah. And it's funny, too. Uh, uh, <laughs> Everything was high and tight. That's, that's well, now they get nail polish, so it's all good. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, but you're talking a different operational dynamic, right? So when you think Rangers, yeah. think fucking like modern day Spartans. These guys yeah. are the epitome of discipline, and like they want to, they want you to look at them like youthful faced, like like uh, what do you call it? square jaw, perfectly manicured because you know that's a semblance of order. You know, the, with the special yeah. forces. They're living with indigenous people who are right. just like, you know, beard and blah, blah, blah. So they do it because uh, they're more sympathetic to deal with if they look similar. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know? Oh, no, no. It's, it, 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 it would look out of place to be high and tight. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Yeah. You know, but uh, the, what do you call it? Um, uh, but the, yeah, the Rangers, yeah, the, the, back in the day, you know, everything was high and tight. Nowadays, it's, yeah. it's, it's more high regular. You know, kind of like the yeah. surfer's cut. You know, it's yeah. it's shaved up to about the middle of your ear, and then after that, you know, um, uh, it, yeah, it gets it gets sort of Elvis on top after that. You know, and I never understood <laughs> the complaint about that because after having lived in a desert for two years of my life, like I was glad to shave it all off. I'm like, buzz it to make it all go away. So one last thing to you know, collect dirt. Dirt bugs, whatever. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, but you know, there's there's the shave that you get in basic training, where you look like a just prison. A Q-tip. Q-tip. You know, and and there's something like you got to remember, you know, the average line soldier is 19 to 21 years old. Yeah. Hair is his thing, and that's that's as good as yeah. hair is ever going to get. Yeah, it was his thing. It's all downhill after that. Yeah. So like, you're literally telling this kid like. We're going to take your best hair years and you're going to wear nothing. No, like you'll hang on to any, like whatever they would let you have, you'll hang on to that, that much. It just but, depends on the the culture of the unit. But, 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 you know, you know, if there's any one thing, you know, get, getting, you know, go, going into the military, that's the one thing, you know, is going to happen to you, you know, you it all up. Yeah. So and the last you know thing it. you want to do is mess with them by showing up with a buzz cut already just oh. so they can't do that to you. No, you let it grow out just so they have the joy of taking it from you or right. they will remember. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's good that they started letting her grow out your hair because that's how you used to be able to spot Delta. They were the only guys that didn't have to cut their hair. Yeah, we, so. used, we used to go down uh, Range Road on Bragg. And every once in a while, somebody would get a wild hair and they would just stop for a water break right in front of the Delta barracks or the Delta <laughs> compound, rather. And, you know, you'd have that one dude who would slowly drive by the line of troops, the road march troops, and just, you know, like, he'd just nod his head at you. And, you know, as long as you weren't doing something stupid, you were cool. But it's like, you know, once they saw the, the CO, the old man at the front of the with the with the guide on, they'd be like, oh, all right, yeah, that's fine. You know, but they, you'd, you'd sit down for a water break to huck down like a, um, uh, huff down a granola bar or something like that, just for a little energy. So, so you can move those last seven miles and, uh, you know, the, here would come that dude in that old beat up patrol car and he just nod at you and you're just like, Oh crap. You know, <laughs> better not even aim a camera past that. Cause it was that, it was a fence with that like mesh that was woven yeah. into it and stuff like that. And you yeah. better not even look at that direction on a camera for too long or somebody would come out and be like, Hey, what are you doing? <laughs> see, I was that's like, an air for you to see. Yeah. When I, so when I got out, they were like phones weren't like ubiquitous cameras back then. So it wasn't as big of a deal. You had to have like a dedicated camera. No, no, no. I'm talking like, I'm talking like, uh, cause we used to all carry, um, when I worked with the scouts, 
Um, um, and even before that, uh, we would all carry those like 110 cameras. Yeah. Because they fit in your ammo pouch. Right? So if you rolled up on a dude and you're like, oh, crap, he's got a whole bunch of intel that you can't carry with you because you're in a wet environment. And um, once you start beating feet back through uh, said wet environment, that stuff turns into confetti. Right? So instead, you would take your 110 and be like, click, 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 click. And you take all the pictures. And even if you had to ditch the camera, it would come out as like a single cartridge. You know, uh, so like, sure we were, yeah, we were, so every once in a while you'd get some little nerd who'd be like, huh, I'm going to take a picture of the, why is that guy pointing a gun at me? You know, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> you know, that's it, always fun. The first time you get a gun pointed at you. Uh, I remember, I remember my favorite first gun experience was, um, we were set, we got activated and this is back when, when military bases were open. You didn't have to pass through a gate to get on. Right. And uh, we're sitting there, and, you know, we're standing outside because there was going to be something that happened, and we were going to have uh, – there was the potential for reporters to come up on the base. And so, you know, every barracks had a bunch of us in front with, like, shotguns and stuff like that. And here comes this lady, short skirt. She's got the heels. She's all done up. She's got her cameraman behind her. We're like, sorry, ma'am. You know, you blah, blah, blah. You can't, you can't well, uh, can we talk to somebody? No, nope, sorry. You're going to have, you're going to have to leave. So then, you know, we watch where she's walking. We get on the walkie talkie. We're like, hey, she's going around the side of the building. Just make sure she's not going to do something stupid. Barbie's going around the building. Go check her out. <laughs> yep. Yeah. We, we cut through the building because she was going to try and cut through the chow hall. And, you know, the second she opened the door, I put my shotgun in her face. And man, I I, I swear I, I swore I smelled urine. <laughs> you know? But like, I was like, "How you doing? Um, didn't we tell you you're not allowed to be in here?" Oh, oh, I'm I'm I mean, um, I, you know, and it's like, look, you cannot come in here. And if you advance one more step, I I kind of have to shoot you. Really, not r- like to ruin your makeup. <laughs> you know so but yeah it was it was one of that but that was back in the early 90s you know nowadays you want to get onto the, a military base you have to show three forms of id have a bill with your address on it um they're going to take a dna sample and an anal swab it's like oh my god <laughs> <laughs> an i mean well i mean like in the business i work in uh because uh it, uh, we have uh, contracts with a Navy base. And if we want to go on the Navy base, um, there are personnel who, because they, you know, we don't care what you did in your past, as long as you show up to work every day and act uh, personal, professional, and polite to our customers, um, you're a valued employee. You know, and maybe you did something stupid back in the day that uh, got you in trouble, and now you're trying to turn your life around. That's admirable. That's the whole American dream. We love that. Right. But um, that's rare that uh, people think that. Well, no. I mean, uh, who, who has it screwed up? Right. Yeah. But, but, but if you think about it, you know, security clearances are the same way because yep. you, know, you, you, you can get a security clearance and be a total shitbag. But yep. uh, but as long as you don't lie about it. Yeah, that's that, that, that's that's the key. So, you know? so like if you have a if you have a, a like a little hiccup or a speed bump in your past. Right. Um, you're on a list with us and we can't send you to deliver at the Navy base. Because they won't let you on, you know, and it's not that we're discriminating. 
right? It's just the fact that, hey, listen, you have a, uh, a bump in your past for aggravated battery w- uh, with a weapon. Um, the Navy base isn't going to let you on. Well, you know, it was uh, it was dismissed after. Yeah, but did you get dismissed in court? Because it's still showing up in your BCI, and they're going to run you. So, you know, so yeah, it's just one of those things. But yeah, back in the day, you could just walk on a military base. You know, these days it's like, ah, pull down your pants. We need we got this long Q-tip. All right. <laughs> so the first time we had it happen to us, I was actually the Kuwaiti police force that pulled us over. <laughs> What? <laughs> so we were, so we were. The convoy had already gone to Navstar. They were waiting for us. We were sent back to get the paperwork. The LT stupidly forgot. So we had this bright idea. We we're gonna stop by the bar, uh, the Burger King to get a picture of our gun truck, fifty mounted in the drive-through. Right? No problem so far. We pay five dollars and get like one half a hamburger or whatever because it was stupid crazy exchange rate. And we're like all just taking a sliver of this. And then as we're leaving. The uh, gunner decides to throw his bottle up in the air, goes through the turret, catches wind, and then hits. ended up hitting the car behind us. The guy in the car behind us was the general in charge of all Kuwaiti military forces, and, and his guards were less than pleased. <laughs> so the next thing we know, we're surrounded, and they've all got their guns on us, and we've got our guns on them, and it was like, shit, we're not in Kansas anymore. <laughs> Man, if you were my troop, I would have beaten you inside out. <laughs> uh uh so maybe that's the real reason i didn't make staff sergeant <laughs> oh, God. speaking of not making staff sergeant uh i have a i have a galaxy's edge role-playing game to run tomorrow so um i i, I think i need to shut the curtains and uh kill the lights how you guys think yes. about this all right it sounds good all to right me. that was that was fun just to hang out with you guys oh i love it it's it's, it's it's like crack on my friday night <laughs> if crack was my thing so um <laughs> we want to thank the everybody in the chat who hung out uh thanks again for c uh, c.s smith who uh did uh uh subscription and uh uh michael i didn't get your email you were talked over can you type oh. that in the chat real quick michael yeah sure um yeah you gotta do it on twitch uh yeah i don't have a <laughs> all right what is your oh, email I'll type my, it. mike at michaelarothman.com that's really hard to remember. Yeah. Yeah, you're going to have to assess I thought it was going to be something obscene. <laughs> yeah. Something extremely mathematical. Uh, yeah. yeah All right, not... I got that in the chat form. No. All right, perfect. He's not going to see it. <laughs> Hot for sluts at Gmail. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Send your hate mail to Jason on Spock. Yeah. Put, yeah. JR, retype. Oh, Nicole just gave me a bat. Nicole just gave me an audio one. Because <laughs> uh, uh, I gave away her email. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll get you guys next.